You're listening to the Soju Talk Nation podcast, episode 20. On today's episode, we discuss This Week in Music and Life Adventures, and I'm joined by a very special guest from the nation, one with expertise on our uh, spotlight artist this week. So sit back and chill with friends. You're listening to The After Show with the Soju Talk Nation. Welcome to the Soju Talk Nation podcast, a chill discussion on this week in the Soju Talk Nation. We're recording on Wednesday, May 26, 2021. I'm your host, Crispy, and joining me this week, a very special guest, uh, one who has made an impression on the main show in the past to celebrate this very special artist this week. We have the one and only No Bias Nuna. Welcome to the show, Nuna. Hello. How's everything going? Busy, busy. How are you? That's going well. Um, you know, busy too, but kind of just enjoying the week going into a uh, U.S. holiday. So we're going to have a three-day weekend coming up and kind of excited to just do normal things again. So yeah, feeling pretty good. Um, moving on to announcements this week. So um, Soju Sessions is really picking up. I really do love the show and I'm really happy to get different guests and different perspectives on it. This week on Soju Sessions episode 9, I have Aura from the Nation joining me to talk um, a little bit of BTS, a little bit of Kim's Convenience, but primarily about her Southeast Asian culture and um, what she hopes for as far as different exposure and different representation as far as global global popularity for different artists um, with her similar heritage background. So check that out on the Soju Talk Nation podcast feed. Um, we don't have Koala this week. Um, she has school. I think she's coming up to the end of school for the next few weeks, so she may be busy, may have other special guests. Uh, but this week we do have Nuna, so I'm very excited to have her uh, expertise in the things we'll be talking about this week. Next, we have Celebrating the Nation. We have three birthdays this week. On May 25th, we have Dre. On May 27th, we have Therese, uh, the lovely Therese, who makes the wonderful TikToks for the Soju Talk fan TikTok account. And we have, on June 2nd, Ya, or you. Um, So give them a big shout-out and happy birthday, either early or belated. Um, Yeah, just uh, let's celebrate the nation on Discord. And make sure everyone feels um, like they need a big piece of cake from the nation to celebrate. All right, uh, let's move on now to this week in Soju Talk music. So we do have three songs this week. Um, the big one, we'll just say it at the top. We have BTS with Butter. We're going to cover that last. Um, but we're going to get Nuna's thoughts on these two songs that I do like quite a bit. And also her reactions uh, her reactions of the cruise takes this week. So the first song is Taman with Advice. We have Uki or Ugi, however Doug wants to pronounce that, with Bonnie and Clyde. Um, and we have BTS with Butter. So we'll start at the top with Taman and Advice. All right, Nuna. You like Taman. You yes. like Taman Tamaning. 
What did you think about the song? And what did you think about the uh, things that stood out to you most? Taman is just always tamening. Like, it's just, <laughs> there's no way around it, I think. And I feel like we should actually have, like, if we ever had, like, a, a K-pop, like, dictionary, that would just be a term that we would have to introduce. Absolutely. And we should suggest that on Discord, actually, to have a certain, you know, a Soju Talk dictionary with vernacular very specific to how we uh, simp over certain art artists and idols so um yeah no i think for for me i all right so it's no secret that i primarily focus on girl groups and female soloists but taman is the exception he is the one that i gush over all the time for a number of reasons um i think they covered it on the show yes taman is androgynous ish looking you know he comes off with very uh genderless but he does so with so much power and ferocity with the way he sings and dances and performs what did you think about a few things visually his hair and the styling for this music video well for me it's just that you know whenever i see Taman and I, there is that androgynous look but for me you see it you just kind of nod like ah yes again it's Taman-ing. like there it is like he does what he wants i think is the is the is the entirety of how he looks like Long hair? Yeah, why not? Because he's Taman, you know? Like, you can have a bit of a crop top going on? Sure, why not? He's Taman. You know, like, it's everything you see him wear, you just kind of nod, like, as expected. Just because he can, I think, is is just how it works out. Uh, one thing, actually, though, I really love how I think it was in the beginning, like, he had that black ink on his hands. Yeah. Um. Do you, do you know what that, that was about or what that represented? Actually, I don't. So I don't either, but he's Taman and he's an artist. What the crew very much reminded us that he is the artist known as Taman, um, which is kind of funny because I think they mentioned a little while back that Taman evokes a lot of like Prince vibes. And Prince, at one point in his career, went by the artist formerly known as Prince. So interesting parallels there that they uh, drew. Un unsure if that was intentional or not, but I just thought that was a nice. Um, little uh, tip of the cap to someone who's very similar musically. Okay, so we do have to talk about the crop top and athleisure outfit. All right. All right. I'll let you go first. What'd you think? Oh, What'd I, you th my first thought for some reason was that it reminded me of Mama Moo. Oh, wow. okay. That's a really good one. Um, tell me more. So what, what about it had a Mama Moo feel to you? Well, not necessarily just Mama, but I, I remember seeing a few members in that kind of outfit. I'm sure other girl groups have had it too. It, it's something I guess you would you would um, you would associate more with a girl group, you know, like yes, I'm hip, I'm cool, like that kind of look. Um, but it's Taman, so he wears it, and now it's a Taman look. Right? It's crazy that he took that look. Um, because yes, I think Moonbill has worn an outfit very similar to that. Oh, yes. Uh, Go to Moonbill. Yes. Uh, Rosie had an outfit very similar to that for um, her Gone and um, On the Ground promotions. And then Yeji also had a very similar outfit to that. Um, I think it was last year. Um, of course, that's where I draw uh, my inspiration as I attach to those very uh, talented females. Um, but I didn't notice the sports bra until Doug noticed it and I went back into the video and I was like, yep, that, that's there. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's Taman. He gotta he's gotta hold himself back a bit, you know? Yeah. That's what he's doing. <laughs> he's gotta support his big heart. <laughs> um shout out to Doug for not being shy about being excited when um the crop top was in full fo- uh, full focus with it lifting and moving and why well, I blacked out for a second. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so musically, um, what did you think about the song? Oh, right. His music. Uh, I think I need to give it a few more listens to like really form an opinion. Um, it's, it's, I, at least my first feel was that it wasn't as, um, um, I guess I feel like experimental feeling as Idea was. But like again, I, I think I need to go back and listen to it some more. Again, I think again it might also because be because I was very distracted by that crop top. So <laughs> I think I think I need to listen to it without watching the video and just think about that some more. It's really interesting to think about how powerful Taman is as a complete artist, whether that's music performance and like Doug said, um, sometimes the visuals are like the primary focus of what Taman is, right? As opposed to the song and music itself. Um, Warren did mention that he loved the Never Gonna Dance Again uh, Act 1 Act 2 albums from last year um, featuring Idea. And I do think that those songs are far more typical and it's more accessible to what K-pop has sounded like over the past year, year and a half or so. So I think with this song, it does feel like a little bit of a departure from Taemin. But again, like he's just so creative and unique and willing to kind of try different sounds that it will probably take a few listens to really like understand his artistic direction. But because there's so much going on visually, dance, performance, I just think he um, has the freedom to attempt and try anything, which um, he does so, so well and... Um, yeah, it's very visually pleasing. Um, anything else uh, that the crew mentioned this week that really stood out to you about Taemin and Taemin? And Taemin. Well, not specifically what the crew said, but I do look forward to like seeing a onstage version of this because I feel like a lot of my like um, interactions with Taemin's music is also additionally co- uh, colored by the onstage. Where I'm just thinking back to way back, like Move, right? Like the onstage like performances there have just stayed with me, and so I, I I inevitably feel that like for the complete experience, yet yeah, we've got to see it performed as well. And I think Taemin does capture that complete experience of what K-pop can be, right? Um, yeah, I think that's an excellent um, way to experience his music and him as an artist, um, not just through the auditory um, experience, but everything that we see. I'll just leave it at that. Um, all right. Um, so let's move on now to Uki. Woogie. Doug, you have made things very difficult, and we don't know how to pronounce her name anymore. But the song is called Bonnie and Bonnie. Hyde. And, um, you know, you're very excited to talk about this song. All right. How did you feel about this no. song and, and Doug? I just need a backup. Because it's just you, isn't it just Yuchi? Or, like, like I, I, I don't know what the... What? Why? Why there was such confusion over her name? So, Yuchi, I think, is correct. Chinese pronunciation. 
but because she has a career in Korea and its pronunciation changed. Um, I also think Oogie is her nickname that was given to that was her, given by her members. Yeah, so I think there's yeah, a so confusion I there. I was I was just like squinting, being like, "What is this? You chi like, <laughs> like rain and 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 she quite is she right? Like, like I'm just like I was so confused like for a bit, being like, huh? <laughs> but now now that you say that, that makes sense. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of Google searching during the show, which is really fun and interesting. Um, yeah, you know, you know, sometimes the answer is not always very clear. We gotta Google it. You gotta search it. Um, but with the song itself, um, I love this song. Um, I really like the dark progression, uh, the moodiness. Um, I think it was. I don't remember who specifically said this on the crew. I think it was Anita, um, but she mentioned Lady Gaga trance pop house kind of that. Um, from a pa from the past like five or six years within that genre, um, and I just really love her her voice and the fact that it's a deeper register. But then this song really draws you into um, the mood. Um, what did you think about the song? I absolutely love the fact that the deeper registers were used. You know, it's just it's 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 such I don't have that, and I'm always in awe of like women who are able to harness that. I think it sounds so good. Um, and uh, I have a friend actually who's a big fan of G Idol, and she was like in in fits of ecstasy, basically being like, "Yes," you know, because she also loves that deeper register, and she loves the fact that she can really sample it with this one. Um, so uh, I know from her that fan, uh, big fans of G Idol very uh, are very very satisfied, and from just from me being like you know very casual interest, it's a good song. Like, I, I like it, you know, it's very, it's very, what's the word? It feels like you're like speeding very smoothly on a highway on it, which is, which is the great impression, a great impression to have for a, a song called Bonnie and Clyde, right? That's an excellent visual. I can't unsee that anymore. Speeding smoothly on the highway on the run. Um, and it, it goes very well into a lot of the themes and lyric choices in the song as well that the crew pointed out. Um, I think one of the topics that they, they talked about a little bit was um, kind of lyric choices. So the don't need money part, but money also being a metaphor for something else. But understanding the history of Bonnie and Clyde and them being um, being criminals during a time of prohibition, um, being a pair, right? Being a couple and then ride or die where you're not explicitly naming Bonnie and Clyde, but you're talking about things about their history and what that means to be. Um, with a partner who is there for you till the end. Um, what did you think about uh, the music video? Because Anita didn't particularly like it, um, and there was still some theming and kind of a dream state. Um, did you feel like the editing worked for you, or was it as choppy as Anita experienced it? I, I mean, I see what she means, right? Like, it's it's kind of blurry at times, just like, eh? But, I mean, it's also... I, this is kind of where I flip, like, for Taman, like, I was very concentrated on the visuals. And this one, it, like, I didn't focus so much on the music video. It was just, like, the song was like, ah, you know? Just grooving. Um, and I you would look up, okay... We lost you for a little bit, Nina. Could you repeat what you said for... Maybe the last 30 seconds or so. Oh, uh, sorry. I, I didn't feel like it uh, 
took away from my experience, just the visuals. Like, I also didn't focus on it that much. Um, I just looked at it thematically speaking. I was like, okay, this is in, on par with the song's name. I just was just enjoy the music. So it's kind of like the opposite for like Tame and for me. For Tame, I, I was so distracted by like the visuals that sometimes I'm just like, right, I'm listening to the song. Yeah, it's really an interesting contrast between the first two songs this week, right? Where it's Taman. Uh The song itself, uh, of course, it's going to be very highly produced, SM budget, of course, but you're there for his visuals, his dancing. Um, Yuki, um, she is a new soloist. This is her debut project with two songs. They didn't cover Giant last week, but they covered Bonnie and Clyde this week. And for the simps listening to her music the past few weeks... We were all very excited to see how the music video was going to come together. Not to say that the music video was unnecessary, but it was one of those where we loved the song so much already. We enjoyed it so much. Um, I don't think the song added, but didn't take away, uh, the music video didn't take away from our experience. And I think, just like you said, um, it just sounds so brilliant and beautiful and just very... um, evocative of of the title right without having to lean on the music video and visuals um i did want to touch on one last thing about this song and um sorry and it has to do with the bass line um the comment on the show was that it's fat and it's juicy um how would you describe the bass line groovy Yes, very groovy. Um, very much setting a mood and setting a tone. Um, oh, and then one final thing. So the song is in, in is entirely in English. How do you feel that that helps um, in the accessibility of her music? Because she is fairly multicultural. She is from China, but she is a K-pop star. But now she has this entirely different audience because she can reach them with complete English songs. Um, what does that mean to you and how do you interpret that? Um, it's interesting to me because I feel like there's now like a new trend of a lot of songs becoming in fully English. Um, I think this is one of the songs that pulls it off better than a few others. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of agnostic on the choice of making this complete English. I like it. Um, I can also picture in Korean. It doesn't take away from it. Um, I'm not sure about how it ex- expands to a wider audience per se because again I'm, I'm just not familiar with people who would usually listen to G-Idol I just listen casually so I'm not sure if it, it does expand or not I'm not sure like if uh, there's any kind of stats on how that's uh, achieved any more audiences but um, I don't know I, I don't mind it I feel like there's some people who were like were grumbling about it but I, I was just like it's it's nice you know it's um, I don't mind that's in English, and I, I don't also don't think it takes away from the fact it is in English or not in English, it's, but it's just overall she sings it well, right? And she does this well, and she executes this well, and I think that's all that matters to me. Yeah, and I think you make a really great point of other songs attempting this model of either fully in English or like 90, 85% English and not perhaps doing it as well. Um, but again, looking at this song in and of itself, it was completely, it's a, it's a well put together song in its entirety, a very complete song. Um, I do think that you and I agree that it's, um, very fun and enjoyable and a little bit of a 
change up in tempo and change up in sound to the summer vibes that we're going to be going into in the next few months. Um, and even in the past two weeks that we've gotten um, with girl groups releasing new songs. Um, and that's going to take us to what I think is probably going to be the summer song of the year. Um, the very special reason why No Bias Nuna is here this week is to help me cover BTS and Butter. So, so like butter. Very nice. So, Nuna, um, you know, before we get into like any of the analysis, any of the crew reactions, the floor is yours. What do you think about the song, and how does it make you feel? I'm obsessed with this song. Like, like unironically, completely obsessed. Uh, like to the point where some of my friends were grumbling, like, oh, I can't believe like people would actually stream on Spotify incorrectly and just loop it. No one does that anymore. And I'm just sort of like, well, <laughs> I've just been playing it for the last like five hours on a loop because I'm so obsessed with it. Um, I just, I just love it. I just, it just, it's pure serotonin. It gets me going, gets me moving. Um, I just, I cleaned a whole bunch of my, a uh, section of my apartment uh, to it. It got me like walking for blocks. Just like, it's a good motivator. And honestly, that's kind of what music should do for the net positive of, uh, of the experience, right? Where it's, it's here to entertain us. It's here to put us in a good mood, but it's also here to kind of just help us navigate the daily mundane task that we have to do and if it so happens to be connected to a group that we have loved for years and we know the history and deep backstory it makes it all the more meaningful and it's really um it's i'm really glad to hear just the experience that you have with it and um the way that people will grumble about it but then it's not necessarily for them or like the entire experience in that sense is necessarily for them right because they don't have a grasp on um the the levels in which k-pop fandom will stream something or uh, take advantage of different forms of technology and media to kind of show their affection and dedication to a group specifically bts and the heights and numbers that they've reached in the past few days um we'll get to all of those later but for the song itself uh my quick takes i really like it it's a super fun light song it's boys in suits. There's pancakes. There's butter. There's syrup. Um, I don't think there's very much I could dislike about the song, to be honest. Um, also lends itself to a lot of puns, whether that's PG, PG thirteen, etc. Um, uh. <laughs> yep. And with regards to the crew, I do appreciate that before they began their uh, discussion, they said a little disclaimer that they. That this is their honest opinions. They have no high concept knowledge or or know the lore um, about the group, um, but they do just want to talk about the song in and of itself and how it compares to other songs and other BTS songs specifically. Um, so, with the crew discussion this week, what stood out to you most um, that they covered with regards to the song? <laughs> they started it off with a disclaimer, and I was just like bracing myself and as, as they talked I'm like okay that's you're no like calm down you're being completely fair and you're actually pretty, like you love the song so it's fine it's fine don't worry <laughs> don't worry you won't get attacked um but um yeah I think one of the biggest things I agreed with was the fact that it was so short um 
and I was just like, yeah, I would, I would have loved like another like stan- another stanza or something like that. Um, just, just, just you know, so I can jam out some more to it. So yeah, I, I completely agree with that assessment. Um, Doug's thing about him not knowing the chorus, um, I didn't feel that. But again, he, I think he he knows that he's in the minority there. But again, it's just like I I would love to just have a little bit more meat on that, right? Uh, it melted too quickly, I think, is, is the point. So there was um, a point on the show that Butter is the 1.5 version of Dynamite. Um, and I think they spun it off very well where they're not saying that it's any better or worse than Dynamite. As a matter of fact, I think they landed on they liked it more than than Dynamite. Yeah, I, I agree. I liked it much better. Yeah. Um, not yeah. Better. Like I, like Dynamite's great, and it was funny because when I was doing the streaming parties, it came on. And I forgot how much of a jam it was, and I was like, "Oh, this is gr- oh right, it is good." Um, but you know, it's, it also is that you know, um, I completely agree that it's like one point five, right? It's very close. It's in the same family of like, you know, we want you to feel good. But I think uh, the consensus across Army is that also it it feels a little more customized by BTS. They, they took it and they, they made it more for their own. Um, so it's, um, I don't know, I, I like it. Um, yeah. What about the song composition do you feel like is a little bit more BTS than Dynamite was? Well, that shout out to ARMY, right? Um, was it specifically just like the ARMY, um, the ARMY shout out? Or were there elements of the song, whether that's construction or that's musically, um, aside from the ARMY shout out, lyrically, that you felt like is a little bit of a throwback to um, BTS as opposed to Dynamite, which was um, very much in the retro wave, but very apparent that this is the genre that they're um, focusing on. Where Butter, I do feel like, kind of does sway between two different genres a little bit um, more nebulously in a good way um, than Dynamite does. Um, I guess what are your like overall takes about how the song was constructed and does that kind of align with the way that Warren talked about the song? Because I know he does a really nice job of going into the details and analysis. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, so I think my, my perspective is that Dynamite was them just being like, let's Let's look for something really simple. You know, it's been a really difficult year. Um, you know, we just want something nice, simple, light, airy, fun. Um, and um, so Dynamite came and they were like, you know what? It's it's good as is um, and we will deliver it in our way. Um, but then when they came to, uh, and then they had B, so that was like a much more like a, a pandemic album. And then they came to um butter and they were like you know we want we want something fun again for the summer we want something that you know you can bop to and and open yourselves up after the pandemic well, in the united states at least right um and we going i think this is a flex song um they, they lean into it and they say you know what um this is where we're going this is how uh this new item that we're embracing it we know it's on english we don't care. We'll do what we want. <laughs> uh, we do, we'll do it for the reasons we think are, are good. And um, we are established in a way that um, that we're confident in what, what we set out to do. 
And I think that's what epitomizes song. And that's also what also contributes to it being more their color than dynamite. You know, dynamite is there. You're like, let's just take a little simple recipe. And this one is, yeah, we're bopping, but we're also flexing at the same time. Yeah, I love that analysis and just the idea that they can expand a little bit more into their musical input and, you know, creatively do something that's a spin off of dynamite a spin off of their lighter things with boy with love um again very much like keeping the essence of bts which i can definitely feel um but then also saying like all right we're going to be globally accessible now to everyone um we will talk about how globally accessible later on in the show um but as far as the crew takes on it i thought there was one really interesting thing that was said about um the music video and the consummate professionals that they are and that's um yes music videos will focus on a member and give different highlights to just a construction of storytelling but it's what the other members are doing when the focus is not on them and they're just eating the camera is what was said on the show um what do you feel like or how do you feel like the engagement level for all the members were uh, as far as the acting and the background performances uh, when they weren't in focus well, we, we've seen individual fan camps for each member for, for like years. I think I think they, uh, the big hits are producing them back during fire era. They would for the music videos, that is, and they would focus on each member. So we're, we're, we're used to rewatching the videos to look at each member, I think, as army. But <laughs> he does have a good point here in that um, for this particular video, uh, music video, if you feel like the entire of the in the entirety of the time whether or not the camera is focused on them they're all kind of like lightly flirting at you <laughs> so i feel very you know flattered and flirted with <laughs> in this music video like from all sides not just the person that's in focus so it's a, bit, a little overwhelming at times so this is a question you may not be able to answer but in kind of the age of analytics and understanding human behavior patterns tailoring your content to um, the inputs and information. Not to say that they're specifically coached to do this. I feel like they do have an innate ability to um, chew up the scenery, even if they're not the focus. But do you also feel like the direction and the directors themselves understand this, that they understand that, yeah, these videos are going to be watched billions of times. Fans will pick out moments to focus on, even if it's not the main focus, i.e., um, like J-Hope in the corner or Suga kind of on the side smirking at you. Um, do you feel like if do you, th- do you feel like this can be quantified that they said like, okay, we're going to have this much emotional en- engagement in this one scene and we're going to quantify it and then BTS is going to be like, okay, well, we do that anyways, but how do you want us to do it? And do you feel like there's a collaboration there? I feel like is a an interesting thing to uh, to research and explore. But again, I don't think there's an answer to it. Um, but do you feel like there's an answer to that question? Well, I, I think it's it's much simpler than that, right? I feel like any director worth his salt is going to take care of all the details, so that no matter what is in the frame, they will be aware of it and make sure that it's okay. Um, and I also think that it's 
um, this is the product of a multi-member member band, right? We're not going to get this so much with Taemin because our focus is on Taemin. Even, well, the dancers will do what they do, right? But your focus will be on one person. But if you have multiple people, even if you have shiny, right? You will be looking at each member anyway. I think that's been accepted for a very long time. Um, so I, I think the, the simple answer is that um, with any kind of production like this where you have multiple, uh, um, um, what is the word? Loci? No. Nexus? A nexi? I don't know. If you have multiple points of focus, I guess, is the simple way of putting it, you're going to uh, want to maximize it as, as much as you can, right? So I, I feel like it's it's not a very new development. I, I just feel like that it's the natural... Uh, evolution of of what is at play here. That was an incredibly simple and articulate answer to my complicated ass question that <laughs> probably doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, moving on to some other things they talked about near the end of their BTS discussion that I wanted to point out. Um, they mentioned that this is kind of BTS's attempt to grab as many American people, uh, American eyes on the product as possible. Um, and we can kind of see this in history with like suburban boys and girls, Warren mentioned, and the demographics of like Justin Bieber from 10 years ago. What I thought was really interesting that they mentioned was that, no, this song is probably going to appeal to moms and dads as well. Um, what did you think about that point that they made on the show? And now this song very clearly being successful in U.S. markets and the U.S. radio. Oh, absolutely. I feel like they're striking when the iron is hot. Um, I think the head of Columbia is also involved in, in developing the song, and he was with Dynamite as well. I think he brought Dynamite to them and was like, hey, what do you think? And they're like, yeah, sure, okay. So I feel like there is a collective energy to, you know, like, well, we're here, we might as well just push it to its full potential. Um, and so I do feel like that that's a thing uh, as to whether it, it appeals to a large audience more than dynamite. I don't know. Um, my mom already liked them before. Like she liked them with boy with uh, boy with love. Right. So I feel like that's already grabbing it. But it does feel like no matter how it's received, um, this is a song that's is um, that that is focused on pushing BTS forward in the U.S. market. Um, and and uh, as a result, uh, you know, the market of the world, because everyone still does take their cues from the U.S. market, right? So I feel like this is a smart decision for their careers. And as fans, we're reaping the benefits, so we're not complaining. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, this is BTS's moment, right? BTS and the fans that have been with them, or even new fans that are just now discovering them. Um, I do think that music is an inclusive, <laughs> universal <laughs> form of communication, form of expression. And again, I'm all for bringing people together as long as there is, um, I don't know, kind of a lightness to the situation when you're kind of understanding, yes, there is a larger global impact, but there's also a point of celebration where um, sometimes there just needs to be friction on certain things. And I think, and I hope, that this song and BTS can continue to do that, especially moving in a time when we are transitioning out of the pandemic into the world again, seeing people. Um, and I do feel like this kind of is the um, 
the song to kind of cap off into a season of hope. Um, BTS is very much known for that, but I do feel like now we're transitioning into post-pandemic times. This is the song to start us off. Um, before we move on to the Soji chart this week, is there anything else about the song, choreography, lighting, music video, anything else you want to talk about with regards to this song and music video? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, I could, if you gave me the time, I could go on for another three hours, right? Just dissecting everything. Um, but I think... Mm. Well, we didn't talk about the choreography very much. So what did you think about the choreo? The crew talked about how um, BTS actually subverted kind of the trends where a lot of the boy groups right now are going really hard, really powerful choreo, really complex choreo. Where BTS kind of says, okay, there's a dance line, but also like we're not a group of seven super dancers, but we're going to make dance and choreography fit the song and fit the concept. Do you agree? Do you agree? I felt like it was also very, very evenly distributed for the dancing, right? Like, for instance, uh, Jin was dancing up a storm. Like, he just was, like, going for it. I was like, okay, okay, calm down. Um, but it, it is not as, you know, convoluted as Fake Love was, right? But everyone was also saying, you know, it was very footwork heavy. And Yoongi had just, uh, Suga had just had his, uh, um, his surgery for his shoulder. So people were saying, okay, there there might be some merit in in having a choreography that's less, you know, upper body focused and more lower body, um, just for ease. Um, I don't know. I feel like it just it it matched very well the song. The crew was right. Um, it's not as uh, convoluted as as other ones. The crew is also right about that. But it also fits well, and <laughs> you're still attacked no matter what as you're watching it. Well. Being attacked is um, a very clear, there's a very clear example of that in the music video when they did the individual elevator shots with uh, little snippets of dancing and focus and zooming in. Um, what did you think about that uh, composition and just the idea of doing that to highlight each member, even if it was maybe like a 20 second segment? Yeah, it was really fun. It was really, really fun. And it's interesting because when you see it live, um, they just split it quite evenly between two groups. Um, I don't know, it's it's very fairly apportioned. And it's like, I think the overall feeling still is all seven of them just coming for you at once. Just being, ha ha! You're like, oh no, they're all rushing at me. Ah! You know, like, that's the feeling I think that that's being conveyed right through your TV or computer screen or whatever home device you have um, into your laps, as it were. Um, yeah, no, I, I think we raved about BTS in the song quite a bit. We do have a little bit more um, in the news section, but we'll get to, let's move on to so the Soju chart. Um, and then we will um, continue on the BTS conversation um, after we wrap up some things with regards to other k-pop for this week um, but yes thank you very much nina that was an excellent conversation on the song and music video for bts's butter moving on now to the soju chart this week we had um a brand new chart wait i take that back we have one song remaining from last week at number three we had a tie with oogie bonnie and clyde and taemin with advice at number two we had Framos nine with we go and number one no surprise, BTS with Butter. So this is the list that the crew arrived at. 
Um, were there any surprises um, and interesting comments that stuck out to you this week? <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because I feel like poor Warren like put so many other people in front of Rocket Punch. <laughs> that might that probably wasn't easy for him, just as a fan speaking. Um, but uh, it was honest, and I appreciated his input on on why he put uh, his chart as it was. Um, Doug was very on the fence, right? Let's do what he wanted to put. And oh, poor Taman was only on Anita's list, but I'm glad he made it onto at least one of them, their lists. I think they mentioned after they talked about the list in general that this is just we're transitioning to a season where every week has good songs. And as much as we'd like to like maintain songs on the list and just like keep songs forever that we uh, have certain biases towards with um, Warren and Rocket Punch. Me personally, um, if, if I had a choice, it's uh, Oh My Girl um, for the rest of the year. Uh, number one, please. Okay, thank you. But um, no, it's I, I do think it's, it's a nice, healthy rotation of music we've gotten in the past few weeks. And honestly, I have all of these songs on a weekly playlist, um, a rotating playlist. Not rotating. A playlist that I add on to every week that I listen to for the year's worth of songs. Some songs I move out if I don't like them or no longer want to listen to them but for the most part man like these songs are just hitting it um i think warren said uh banger after banger banger we all know who, who the real winner is right it's the fans the fact that we have so much good music coming out like we're the ones who benefit right yeah it's, i think we're just living in a good time where it's like summers is around the corner the world's opening up hopefully for a lot of people um you know, it's sunny, it's bright, we've got good music, and I think the crew did a nice job celebrating all of that with a very nice um, crowning of BTS at number one this week. So, um, yeah, like just well put together segment this week for the crew and the music and just recognition for all the great songs that have come out in the past few weeks. All right. Um, all right, Nuna, well, we're moving on now to... I just made a brand new segment for this. It's called BTS News, BTS Talk. Uh, we've got a couple things. Um, before I get into kind of the list of accolades that they accomplished in the past few days, were there any that stood out to you specifically? Um, I can name them, but I just wanted to see if there's anything that um, resonated with you personally. Oh boy. <laughs> there's a lot, right? It, it did a lot. Um... I know you're going to you're going to say this uh, first, but I think the biggest one is how uh, well received it's been on uh, the radio here in in uh, in um, the United States. Yes, yes. Uh, so there was a Variety article that came out uh, last evening, March. May, sorry, May twenty sixth. Uh, May twenty sixth. Yeah, May twenty sixth at night. Or May 25th, um, from Variety, a Variety report uh, that butter is the first international song uh to be added to every monitored top 40 station in its first week so what that means is in the united states there are radio stations and broadcast channels that can play a song they basically were played on every one of those um to give more detail um it's a meta base a media based number um i think media base is actually the uh the metric um, Butter is listed as having 180 ads in the format for this week. I think 180 is the maximum number. 
for comparison, Dynamite debuted last year at 171. Um, and then I think, I, I think this is earlier this year, uh, the Jonas Brothers collaboration with Marshmallow, Leave Before You Love Me, um, was picked up by 115. And then the third place one is Olivia Rodrigo, Good For You, with 86 ads. So, Nuna, what do you think about the widespread acceptance and popularity of BTS on literally every channel in the past few days? Obscene. Just just obscene. Like, I mean, we knew like people liked it. And then when that popped up, I think every single army did like a double take on, the, on their screen. Like, they what? <laughs> like, just like staring at it with just remembering the days when we had like five spins and everyone was really happy yeah um i think for 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 the internet aged kids out there um this number is really important because yes even though we're consuming media and music digitally the plurality of how music is still received um is still broadcast channels and multimedia channels, whether that's radio stations, TV, um, and local broadcast. So if you just imagine the number of households this reaches is another way to put at it. Um, it's basically reaching every single household in the past four days in the United States. So just imagine where BTS was just two years ago, and now that they are pretty much a household name, literally a household name. Um, a few other notable um, accolades. The crew mentioned this, so I'll re- restate what they mentioned on the show. Um, so they, this butter um, is now the new all-time 24-hour record of 108.2 million views on YouTube. Um, all-time record for the biggest YouTube premiere. Um, so it's the live premiere at 3.9 million concurrent views. Spotify, 11 million streams in the first day. And the Billboard Music Awards also happened at this time um, with Dynamite being the top seller. So not butter, but um, happening adjacent with all the massive numbers happening this week. All right, Nuna. Which one stood out to you? Which ones did you gush over? Or did you just faint when you heard all the numbers? It's just a lie. Um, The Billboard thing, like the fact that it was it was smaller than we like anticipated was just shocking to me right just I, because i remember when bts came and they were up for you know uh social artist and everyone was going nuts about it and now we have so many accolades that they went all four for billboard and everyone was like yay and then we just kind of moved on and i was just like oh my god where are we who are we what's going on um, I think they also had something about like um, they tied uh, I think Fifth Harmony Harmony for like the amount of awards or something else as well. Like it was just it's it's just so obscene. Like everything that just keeps piling in. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. So to me, the, what this signifies is that um, a foreign piece of entertainment, a foreign piece of content, a foreign piece of art, can one created imprint in a different market in the u.s market which is still the standard of how you want to be accessed in the world two you can develop and build and grow through different connections whether that was um, their late night relationships um, on late night shows um, doing different award shows over the years 
And then three, finally reaching that pinnacle where, yes, they have the recognition, but now that they are not just considered K-pop artists, Korean artists, but now they're globally accepted musicians. And I think ultimately for me, what that signifies is, um, I know that I know this kind of like touches on like a very different uh, point of view um, with representation because yes, like I am Asian, but I'm not Korean. But I do feel that there is a need for celebration to witness another part of the world that had stereotypes that were seen a certain kind of way for so many decades. Now that perception's flipped, and now that perception is accepted as part of mainstream culture. And for me, that means a lot because that can only lead to growth in other parts of the world and other cultures and heritages to gain that similar type of success. Um, want to flip it back to you, Nuna. What does that mean to you as far as being a person of Asian heritage and background and having that inherent connection to the success of someone who, or a group or musician um, who is similar to you, right? Not exactly not the same, but similar in the sense of you understand their history and their background um, that is adjacent to how you saw the world. I think it's interesting. I feel like um, you're right in that you know they're they're going they're going mainstream, and um, being a fan of this group is accorded with more respect than it was a few years prior. Um, it's very interesting because I feel like when BTS first started out. Uh, a lot of the interviews, while hype about them, where it was pan, were like, oh, they're they're like a flash in the pan, basically. Um, they're not, and the fact that they're still here, you can see the difference in the way that people are interviewing them, and also conversely, um, you can see the difference in when you say, hey, yeah, I follow BTS. Um, A because now people uh, across the board more uh, they at least have heard of them or know who they are and not only that it's not like oh you know are they that one k-pop band you know um it's also oh yeah i've seen seeing them everywhere and it's uh i guess less taboo for you to be a fan of them uh that's just fascinating for me uh to see um and i think also when you're talking about representation that also just kind of bleeds over into that right like the fact that you can say yes i'm a fan of this particular k-pop artist the fact that people now react like oh yeah yeah instead of like who or like oh you know uh, um just seeing the shift of people reacting like that has just been astounding to me i always like to equate it to a very simple saying it's just um the rising tide lifts all boats and yes BTS is from Korea. Not everyone is from Korea, but Asian culture and minorities being successful in music and arts is not something that is historically recognized. And there are going to be unintended consequences in so many positive directions with just the expanding and opening of this idea that you can come from a different culture you can be accepted and popularized in niche markets, but then now you can have a global reach. And when I say mainstream, 
I know oftentimes like the diehard fans hear the word mainstream and it's like, well, I like them before they were mainstream. It's like, well, yes, and that's excellent that you were there from the beginning. But I also do think that being mainstream is a good thing. It is a net positive in how we experience more stuff, more pieces of art, more culture, different stories. And I think ultimately this will have a net positive effect on how we experience new cultures, new experiences, and hopefully reach other markets who are also doing amazing things. Um, I talked about this with Aura earlier this week, and we talked about Southeast Asian culture. And um, she's from India. So just the idea of like, hopefully one day an Indian artist can be taken seriously or in the same vein. And I do think this is a, you know, however long it takes, you know, not saying it's going to happen tomorrow, but I do think it's the step in the right direction where 10, 20 years ago, I don't think anyone was saying that K-pop or Korean entertainment was going to have this type of effect globally. And who's to say that another part of Asian culture, another part of the world that isn't seen the same way will not have the same influence and impact eventually down the line. Um, yeah, no, um, kind of went on a monologue there, but just to kind of close things out for you, Nuna, um, what do you think about this song now moving forward? So the song is going to have its moment months down the line, probably still repeat on radio stations. Um, but do you feel like BTS will kind of continue into these wildly accessible, wildly popular songs, or will they try to shift back a little bit to expose general audiences now to a different sound, perhaps even their older, kind of edgier hip-hop sound? Well, I don't know. I feel like most of their conversations have been like, you know, um, as a group, we change. Um, and and that's, been a, that's been an ongoing discussion in ARMY as well, right? Like, I get that people are nostalgic for older styles, I feel like BTS will do what they want, um, but whatever they do, whatever step they do, uh, they they um, they take going forward will build on the success of Dynamite and and B and Butter, um, and just push their influence further, um, which is very exciting to see. I I don't think there's real. Frankly, I feel like anyone who tries to predict their musical direction will be wrong. We've never been right on that, even up to like when we get like the teaser trailers. Um, so, you know, it's just I'm just here waiting for their next um, salvo. And I know that they have another album in the works already, so I don't know what they they have planned there. But uh, I look forward to hearing more and to streaming butter uh, with the rest of those songs. Absolutely, a very exciting, unexpected set of sort of turns to to come, right? Um, yeah, no, uh, I think we did a nice job covering BTS as a whole this week with a little bit of extended conversation. Um, just a quick things from State of the Nation. Um, so the crew, so this is the after show. We talk about the crew. We talk about um, what they experienced and kind of their life adventures. Um, a couple quick shout outs. So um, let's start with Warren. So Warren actually did a little bit of an edit in the middle of the video to talk about Jury and Rocket Punch. I don't want to go into too much detail. Um, the gist is that she is taking a break from current promotions for health reasons. We don't know. We don't yet know the reason. Um, but Warren was very somber, and I do want to, um, you know, shout him out just to let him know that 
we all, well, at least I personally do feel um, the weight of kind of the circumstance as well. And um, I'm hoping for the best. Um, and then we have Doug who, you know, opened up a little bit about his um, mental health over the past few months um, that he's moving into his thirties and he wants to kind of approach it with um, positive change and positive self-improvement. Um, so he is on a journey for dieting and um, and physical health, um, in the hopes of improving his mental health as well. Um, but a lot of it has to do with physical appearance and kind of the challenges um, he's faced over the past few years. Um, yeah, it's it, it's very touching that he's able to open up about things like that. I know we all have different insecurities and um, different perceptions about ourselves that can weigh heavy. So um, it does mean a lot that Doug is able to open up. And um, we have Anita, <laughs> who, um, you know, Anita's amazing. She's great. She's just enjoying living her life. She's watching produce in Japan. I believe that's what she was watching. Anita, correct me if I'm wrong. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just Anita, very, um, a very lovely voice to have on the show to kind of balance out some of the heavier moments. Um, and just like the main show, we do like to balance things out with a little bit more fun, a little bit more subjective opinions, um, and a little bit extra time gushing for the things we love. So our closing thoughts this week, our weekly checkout, a check-in, um, you know, you went to a wedding this weekend. Was BTS played at any point in this weekend? Oh my goodness, let me tell you. They started playing Dynamite and I lost my mind. I lost my mind. My friends were very confused but very supportive. And they just like like sang on top of my lungs, just like raving like a lunatic. I was so excited. And they, then I realized I didn't have my phone with me like to record it, but it remains my memory. <laughs> I was so excited to hear it. And that's, uh, it's just really nice to hear stories of uh, pre-pandemic socializing and celebrating again. Um, I do think 18, 20 months or so of whatever this is, the past year, um, yeah, it's just been hard. And I, I, I always... Honestly, it's been a nightmare. Yeah, it's just really nice to connect with um, other people's stories that way. Um, okay, so you were at a wedding. Was there anything unexpected that happened that shouldn't be surprising because it's something you would have done prior to the pandemic that you missed being able to do? Just even walking down without a mask. Like, everyone was vaccinated, so we got the okay to do it. Um just for you know like the um so for the wedding party so the groomsmen and the bridesmaids right um that was really like surprising to me that we we're still able to do it and we were just very happy to be able to do it um it just felt so weird um just yeah everything it, it just felt so weird being able to do it we were just re we were just really happy we could yeah it's just one of those words like the the norms of two years ago now seem like these these behaviors that we have to be super accountable for. And I feel like I, I still have not completely experienced a lot of um, like the social gatherings that are happening um, with like fully vaccinated crowds. Uh, but it's just, it's just weird to think about. Um, yeah. Um, 
Well, kind of to wrap up this week, what are you looking forward to now that you've had your taste of reality again, taste of pre-pandemic life? Um, <laughs> do you have any plans in the next few weeks to get back and socialize like a normal person? Yeah, some people have been saying we should go for tea. Um, a few people were like, let's go and go to a bar. And I'm just, there's a part of me saying, a bar? It's open? A tea that's open? You know, just, it's just, it's so strange to me that it is now. Um, and I could, I could, I, I could almost weep with joy that it is. I'm just like, oh my god, I forgot. I used to do all this before the pandemic. I got to drop of a hat, and I, I just, I appreciate it so much that I'm able to do it again. How about you? Yeah, I think I'm the same. I would like to be outside, socializing, drinking alcohol at a bar, at a restaurant. <laughs> um, I, I do think being in enclosed spaces with people without wearing a mask is still kind of freaks me out. But if if we get the okay, if we're at a point of vaccinations, of um, herd immunity, that that is okay, that um, we feel safe doing that, that you're able to take that risk, um, like the, that risk assessment for yourself, um, then I think that's like the first thing for me. It's just like being in a tighter space with people i know that's strange because like i kind of have enjoyed my space being in public but there is something it, it is it is weird not being able to do it anymore whether that's like being at a ball game um watching a basketball game a baseball game but yeah i think that's probably the one thing i'm looking forward to is getting back into um live sports so live sports and drinking yep I feel like I would still wear a mask in public areas when I'm not eating or drinking just because I've really enjoyed not being sick this entire year. Yes, oh, that, that is a really good point because I have not gotten sick with the cold or the flu. And I, I don't know what it's going to be like again to not to go out in public and then have that be a risk as opposed to being home for months yeah yeah Yeah. that and not only for sports just being able to go start dating again would be really nice oh man um we can we could probably spend another like three hours on soju talk after hours with dating but um i'll I'll ask a, a short quick question what well if you do match with someone what is what would be a really great first date setting so not necessarily like the ideal date but just something that you would like to do with that person that you couldn't do during the pandemic god even just going for coffee now would just be great honestly just simple things things before it was just like oh really small now would just be amazing um yeah i had a friend who was like there's apparently like a new app that pairs you with people who are also fully vaccinated (laughs) uh but yeah no it's just um, yeah, it's just even the smallest thing, just going for a coffee, going indoors, just having like a small dinner or something, just that, that would just be great. I think for me, it's like sitting next to that person, closer than close to me. Okay, oh. Right. Well, I, well, I also mean that in the context of like watching a movie in theaters. And just like, okay, my shoulder brushed up against yours, let's share the armrest. Oh, the movie's scary. Oh, no. Oh, man. Yeah, no, those are all really exciting um, 
future dating stories that we can explore on Soju Talk After Hours when we start that show. Um, yes, thank you so much for being on the show this week, Nina. Do you have any closing thoughts for everyone? Dream butter. <laughs> um, and on that, uh, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the Soju Talk Nation podcast, episode 20 this week. Subscribe on YouTube, follow on Spotify or your preferred podcast platform, and continue the conversation on the Soju Talk K-pop podcast Discord. This has been the Soju Talk Nation for No Bias Nina. This is Crispy. Bye.